You're listening to Psychological Injury, Exploring Racial Trauma. I'm Alex Spearman. On our first episode, we delved into the meaning of racial trauma, which is the emotional impact of stress related to racism, racial discrimination, and race-based stressors that can come directly from people or be experienced within a wider system. For Nershan Sentenbos, that trauma came from being a Kurdish woman in Turkey during a civil war in the 1990s. You know, as a Kurdish woman, uh, I, I didn't just face uh, racial discrimination, but I witnessed that a lot. <laughs> To give you some history, the modern Kurdish-Turkish conflict began in 1978 with the formation of the Leftist Kurdish Workers' Party, or PKK. Ethnic Kurds sought separation from Turkey to form an independent Kurdistan. Historians estimate that between 1982 and 1995, some 15,000 people were killed in the fighting between Kurdish insurgents and Turkish security forces, the great majority of the dead being Kurdish civilians. Nishan says the conflict was not contained to the battlefield. Uh, I remember when I was uh, in fourth grade, one of my uh, teacher lined up all Kurdish and Turkish students to sides and he, he beat uh, the Kurdish students. He didn't touch the uh, Turkish students because most of them were um, soldiers, kids, or, or other people that the teacher knew that uh, the, the Turkish government at that time wouldn't ignore that uh, thing. Eventually, Nershan made her way to America, but that did not mean the end of race-based stressors. Nershan is now a racial justice activist and worked to increase racial unity while on the campus of Marymount University in Northern Virginia. What have you experienced in the U.S.? When I start to talk, when people hear accents, they start to, you know, act little different <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's it's not we know that the racial discrimination it's not just a cultural thing it's also mm-hmm. political it has a political backgrounds um as we know racial discrimination it's like Many African-American who, who resistance to slavery argued or run away from slavery, um, they, they were diagnosed uh, with mental disorders uh, because, because they, they didn't follow the authorities rule. You heard Nershan reference a once held belief that it was a mental illness that caused enslaved Africans to desire freedom. Another history lesson when we come back. You're listening to Psychological Injury, Exploring Racial Trauma. I'm Alex Spearman. This is Psychological Injury, Exploring Racial Trauma, and I'm Alex Spearman. During American chattel slavery, Dr. Samuel Cartwright presented his diagnosis of drapetomania in a paper to the Medical Society of Louisiana in 1851. He called it the disease causing Negroes to run away. The remedy he advised the slavers was that, quote, the awe and reverence must be extracted from them or they will despise their masters, become rude and ungovernable and run away. Cartwright continues saying, quote, of the enslaved, if any one or more of them at any time are inclined to raise their heads to a level with that of their master or overseer, humanity and their own good require that they should be punished until they fall into that submissive state which was intended for them to occupy. 
certainly a troubling precursor for how black people in America might interface with the mental health field. For Ray Fisher, being a descendant of slaves means that he's lived with the impacts of structural racism growing up as a black man in America. Like I said, you fall into those stereotype situations, you fall into the, the traumas that you experience um, in the community, being underserved and things of that nature and the violence that was allowed to mitigate in our community. Something he says also followed him during his career in the Marine Corps. You know, you have always had to deal with hurdles and challenges. And now during his career in corporate IT. And you deal with that. And once you survive those traumas, then you have to deal with, you know, corporate America. And corporate America is hard on anybody. I don't care what, what color you are. It's, 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 it's unrelenting. But when you're in it as a person of color, you're not valued as much. And um, you have to work twice and thrice as hard. And that creates mental stress and anxiety. And it creates a level of PTSD that is unrecognized in this nation and goes not talked about. So for Ray, addressing his racial trauma and going to therapy was paramount, especially as the father of two black children. He wants to make sure that he is passing down coping skills that because of circumstance, lack of resources, access, and other factors, his father wasn't able to pass down to him. But one of the things that I, I tell, told my son and I tell my daughter all the time is that, you know, you can't run from it. You have to own it. And then you have to give ownership to those who own their part. You can't take on nobody else's burdens and you can't hold that because it, it'll, it'll mess you up. So, you know, I see them working through that and I'm, I'm very happy because I saw my father, my father dealt with the traumas and he was a, of his generation, it was alcoholism and I watched it kill him. And I was one of those people that said, I am going to break that cycle. I am not going to go out backwards like that. And uh, I want to live a full life because I saw the effect that that him giving up had on me. I didn't want to pass that on to my children. That desire to break the cycle is something that is not lost on Ray's son, Ray Fisher II. Seeing it, you know what I'm saying? It, it raised a lot of questions, you know, like, why is he going through all of this? Like. All this just seems like really extra for no reason, you know, to certain extents and in certain situations, whether it be him trying to find a new job, uh, whether it be uh, him trying to, you know, manage uh, bills and finances and stuff. It was just like he was just constantly just being hit like way harder than his other counterparts and stuff. As a member of Gen Z and seeing his father not only struggle, but also succeed in life, Ray II is now learning to cope with the experience of being black and middle class. He describes spending his younger years in a predominantly black and economically disadvantaged community, then going on to attend a mostly white boarding school in suburban Maryland. You know what I'm saying? But they were lower income. They were, there was no wealth in the community. We started seeing things differently. No, you can't go outside. No, you can't go to the park. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And that started to kind of wear on me and be like, why is it different over here? Then as I started progressing through high school and stuff, because that's when things really started to, I really started to see things like for what it really was. And I would go all the way out to Washington County, Maryland, up in the hills, you know what I'm saying? Where I'm one of four black people in the school. <laughs> so, and there I started to really realize like, well, like 
this racism exists. Like, it's real. You know what I'm saying? We weren't taught enough in school. Like, they didn't they didn't talk about how, oh, I come here and they're going to say this to me. They're going to say that to me. After boarding school, Ray attended the historically black University of Maryland Eastern Shore, where he once again had to wrestle with issues of race and identity. What what kind of tools are you leaning on? Like, how are you help? How are you getting help now to deal with all that from a mental perspective? One, um, I've been able to uh, go to therapy a little bit and just uh, just talk with a therapist, you know, to help unpack things, you know, help you know game plan, decompress my mind and stuff. Ray Fisher, his son, and Nershon all attest that therapy has been a benefit in their lives. I have been taking some. Um therapy mm-hmm. uh, to cope with uh, my uh, personal but experience racial uh, experiences but also uh, when I was working uh, as a human rights activist um, I saw I saw dead bodies on the streets and in, I had really bad experiences that I'm trying to cope with uh, in that in this age. It's... But for African-Americans in particular, there are a number of hurdles to seeking help for mental health. Federal numbers show that Black Americans experience mental health challenges at the rate of similar ethnic groups. However, studies show only 25% of Black people will seek mental health treatment when needed, compared to 40% of white people. And more than 50% of Black adults and young adults with a serious mental illness did not seek treatment. Stigma and mistrust in the healthcare system is one factor in the divide. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was reported to have avoided seeking help when he was suffering from severe depression, according to those close to him. But other issues exist, like lack of access to healthcare. Nearly 10% of black people in the United States do not have health insurance, compared to 5.2% of white people. More black people also report having difficulty getting needed care, tests, and treatments compared to white people. And on top of all that, more than one in five black people report living in poverty. But for those who have the desire and access to get treatment, both the patients and professionals I've talked to agree. When dealing specifically with racial trauma, it is crucial for a therapist or counselor to be culturally competent. That was essential. I had to have somebody that I could relate to and could relate to me. They get it and they break it down to you in a way for you to understand. And, 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 and that's what therapy is about. But here again, we went into another problem. Counselor Janice Evans. As someone who's in the field, do you think overall the field is doing enough to address it? I don't think that, that we had we have enough prepared to address the issue of racial trauma. In our next episode, a look at what I found to be a major issue in my own journey to treat racial trauma and what I discovered when talking with therapists working in the field. You're listening to Psychological Injury, Exploring Racial Trauma. I'm Alex Spearman.